All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Wurzberger. Tim, how's it going, my man? Good morning, John. How's it going? It's going good. I got some uh, company this morning with me. Yeah, this is the first. It is a first. We uh, The little girls were naughty last night. And oh they, no. They had a big, uh, big week ahead of them at chant camp where they were going to go and sing and have fun with all their friends, but they didn't want to go to sleep. Oh no. So I canceled chant camp. Oh! <gasps> And now they're hanging with me today. They're going to come to the office. They're coming here and they're going to be nice and quiet all day. Right, girls? See? Nice and quiet. <laughs> That's it's a tough beautiful. punishment to hang out with you all day. It is. Some people pay good money for that punishment. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, they're hanging with me. So they're going to be here quietly just watching. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do today. But anyways, how was your weekend? It was good. I watched a lot of hockey. There was a lot of hockey to be played. A lot of good games. Yeah. I um I was on pins and needles because we, we had two. We did our last taping Thursday, and then we had a Montreal-Vegas game Friday and a Montreal-Vegas game Sunday. Yep. I was hoping for Vegas-Vegas just so I could just take a breath and say, here we go. You know, ve- the ship is right and everything's all right in the world. Did not go according to plan. Not even close. No, and I love that Montreal won game three because it just put the pressure on the whole weekend. Which is funny because let's 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 talk about that game first. Now, I have never seen a game where after two periods, the team that is in the lead has only gotten eight shots on goal. <laughs> it was incredible how much better the Vegas Golden Knights were than the Montreal Canadiens in the first two periods. They came out, they dominated, they carried the play. The only reason Montreal was in that game was because of Carey Price. He absolutely stood on his head. He controlled rebounds. He was so incredibly good. And it feels like we're beating a drum here where he just played insanely good. Yep. He's the only reason why Montreal has any business being in this series. If it wasn't for him, Vegas would be up 3-1. to one. But focusing on this game a little more. On the other side of the rink, Marc-Andre Fleury, not his strongest game, not his worst game by any means. The one thing I've found is if you look at the Montreal Canadiens, their last three goals, really, I'm excluding the fluke goal that Fleury gave up to tie it 2-2 two to two with one minute left in the third period. Their last three goals have come on breakaways. So 
Montreal must have found something that Vegas does where they leave their defensemen in the zone. Because if you watch the Vegas Golden Knights, they they pressure. Their D-men stay on the blue line. They're very confident in their abilities. They pinch a lot, too. They pinch a lot. And so Montreal, in turn, is just like, we're blowing guys. And we're blowing our weak side forward. As soon as we might have possession of the puck, we're gone. Because I think they know, they realize that maybe Vegas is a little bit better. We have to take our chances when we can get them. And how often in the playoffs do you see breakaways? Not very often. Montreal gets to a game. Yep. They and, had, they, and they score. And they score. Cole, Caulfield, if he would have scored last night on Laner, he had a, a, it was a breakaway. Laner luckily went side to side, closed the five hole off. But they are capitalizing on this kind of, I don't, I don't want to call it a chink in Vegas's armor, but they obviously saw something and they're taking advantage of it. All their offense is coming from breakaways. You're not seeing any sustained zone pressure. You're not seeing any zone rushes. You're not seeing any power play goals. It's breakaways. It's uh, it's a stinking two on zero in overtime for Pete's sake. They're Vegas is the better team. I think everyone across the board can agree with me on that. I think Montreal right now is. A, they're riding a hot goaltender, and B, they found Vegas's weakness, the Achilles heel, and they're taking advantage of it. Their defensemen are very confident. They stay in the zone, maybe a little bit longer than they should have. And another thing Vegas defensemen do, they don't just – they try to force the puck to the net a lot more than I think they should. If there's a guy in the lane, you should – don't try to force it every single time because they're getting their shots blocked. The way we go, we saw it last night with um, Pauly Byron – Suzuki blocked a shot, picks it up, breakaway. So, and that's that's Paulie Byron, smart player. The one game I played for Montreal, he was on my line. Okay, so you can call him Paulie. Yeah, so okay. I know him. He's on. I played with him. He was on my team. He was on my line. He's a good player. He's a really good. Remember, they were toying with the idea of not calling him back up this well, he season. On, he was on waivers three times this year. Yeah, and they weren't sure if he was going to make the playoff roster because they only had a certain number of guys they could have on their active roster. And he's like Paulie, but now he's arguably one of their best players. Every time there's an offensive play, Paulie Byron's right in it. But anyways, Paulie sees Suzuki blocks a shot. It's a 50-50 puck. Byron's already up the ice. He's already gotten behind his defenseman. He's gone. If Montreal doesn't get that puck and the Vegas defenseman gets it, he goes to his partner and he's walking down Main Street for a great, great chance. But they're gambling. They're going for it. And you have to do that when you're not you know, as talented as the team across from you. So they definitely have the systematic thing going. Price is playing well. They got a couple bounces on the game on Friday. Obviously, Josh Anderson gets a gift of a goal. The game was over. The game was absolutely over. He gets a gift. They go into overtime. Vegas is stunned. They think they're going to be up 2-1. to one. Now they're tied in overtime, and it's just like, what are we doing? They give up a 2-1-0 game over. Marc-Andre Fleury. What? So if you're Marc-Andre Fleury, I know I'm just going on and on about this. He had some comments after the third game saying, you know, it was a bad bounce. We're going to regroup. I'm going to come back. I'm going to play stronger. When do you think, if, do you think at all that you're going to get pulled from that game for, for the next game? Excuse me. Do you think you're not going to start the next game? No, no. Cause why, what do you think that? Right. Cause, cause the way he's playing, he's a favorite to win the Vezina, uh, not the, the con Smythe. Like, yeah, he thought his job was solidified there. And even the Vezina, he, he's going to win the Vezina. Do you think uh, it was only because of that turnover that, he, that they made the switch? Yeah, I think so. Because he, he played okay. Like the goals he'd given up, like we just said, breakaways. Those are the only goals he'd given up in this series are breakaways. So what, if I'm 
Marco Di Fleury, that game's over. I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, we won last series in seven games. I played great. I didn't play game one of this series, and we got absolutely shelled. And oh no, sorry, that was the series prior. I played every game in the Montreal series, and I played pretty well. Uh, why would I get benched? And what stones that Pete DeBoer has, like especially after the epic fail of Game One versus Colorado, where he puts Laner in and they get absolutely shelled seven to one. If he puts Laner in in Game Four and they go out and get bombed, he loses his job. He, he's done. He, he gets fired. You can't do that two times in a row, don't you think? Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you're probably right, especially because like. I mean, everyone on hockey Twitter was reacting to this move, and no one thought it was the right move. Everyone thought it was a panic move. And it's like, maybe if you do that, you're down 3-1, to one, going back home, you bring Laner in then. But 2-1 to one away, Laner hasn't played in a couple of weeks. It felt like a panic move, but obviously it paid out. The, the luxury of having two all-star caliber goaltenders. Laner was a Vesna candidate two years ago, if not last year, if I'm, if you, you know, I'm sure someone will correct me, but I know he was a Vesna Trophy in the last two years, candidate. And uh, it's a luxury that he has, but my goodness, what a, what a coaching move. It really is. So I agree with everything you're saying, John, but one thing Obviously. I'm not hearing is that Montreal is a better team than you've given them credit for. And I think, I think hopefully they've, you know, they've, they've turned you a little bit to realize that this is the legit team. The North is maybe stronger than we thought, or at least this team is. And they're a legit contender now. I don't think the North is as strong as uh, – it's not as strong – you know, there, there's no change of mind for the North Division. The big difference for the Montreal Canadiens for me is Cole Caulfield. He changes this whole team. He trans he, he transitions it from a very good team to a, a team with a superstar. The kid is a superstar. You pair him up with Suzuki, they are dynamic. They get the puck and they go, and they're hard to play against. And they just it just completes this lineup where they have a go-to player. He's their best player, Cole Caulfield. There was one play last night where the, it was dumped in the Vegas zone, and Alec Martinez was the first one in. And Caulfield's tra- trailing him, and he's obviously he's half his size, right? He came out with a puck and turned yeah. it around to a shot on net. It was crazy. I'm like, whoa! And he didn't use the body at all. He just you know lifted a stick quickly, and you know off he go. He's got really unbelievable cool. speed. He's got such good patience with the puck, and he handles it like he's in a phone booth. He's a, he's such a good player. And you pair that with a player like Suzuki, who's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, but still a very, very high amount of skill. They're very hard to play against. And so you can just lock them in as your new first line. That's that's the first line. You can have Dano Gallagher. That's your shutdown line. And then you can have your third and fourth line who are really good. You still have Josh Anderson. You have your fourth line who was just clicking with Stahl, Armia, and Perry. You have four very good lines, but what Montreal was missing was that star player. They thought they were going to get an Andrew someone who can carry the play, someone who can just generate offense, and that's Cole Caulfield. He has been everything they have imagined and hoped for and more. He really does just check every single box for a player you want to produce. Every single game, every single time he's on the ice, he is dangerous. He is outplaying Vegas at every facet, and he's just fun to watch. He really is. Montreal, their future, just by having him on the ice, is so much brighter than it was during this season. They're, they're a completely different team. They really are. Tyler Toffoli, you haven't heard much of him. Right. This kid is the reason they are where they are. And Carey Price. These two players... If either one of them are not there, there's no way they're in this position right now. I think you have to give some credit to Philip Deneau, too. Deneau is playing well. He's locking he's down. He's playing well, yeah. I, they said in the broadcast, I think he was 14 of 18 faceoffs in Oof. game three. And then he won some huge ones last night, too. And then just like the, the, the penalty kills. And 
a little bit of offense too. Like he's a, he's a really good player. And like he's you a, said, if he's your second line center, like that's a good team. That's a really good team. And that was their problem for the longest time is Dano was their first line centerman. He doesn't have the offensive upside to be a first line centerman. He's a very good second, if not third line centerman where you can just lock him in. He can go, he can, like you said, shut down an opposing centerman in the line and just be really good in the penalty kill. That's who he is. He has limited offensive upside and that's, He's a very good hockey player, but let's just stating a fact. There's better centermen out there who have more offense. I it feels weird for me saying that he has limited offensive upside because <laughs> I have like insanely limited offensive upside. But he's he's where he should be right now, and and it's paying dividends. They're not overplaying him. They're not forcing him to do something he can't do. And the team is playing really well. They're playing with confidence. I still don't think they'll win this series, but they've made it interesting. I they've made they it did. fun to watch. I think they're going to win. Okay, so I bet you anything. The big question. <laughs> okay, the big question. Game five tomorrow night. Who are you starting if you're Vegas? Uh, Robin Lehner. Okay, why? Because he played well last game. He shut down Montreal. He had some pretty, pretty, really high end saves. Yeah, he did. He went side to side one time. I'm not sure who he robbed with his glove diving across where it almost went in. Gosh, who was that? I, I can't remember. Corey Perry potentially or Jordan yes. Stahl? No, no. Corey Perry made the play too. Yeah, it was Armia. just a really, really good save. So I think you start Robin Lehner. Why wouldn't you? So just ride him till he loses basically? Or- I would say, goodness gracious, if he wins this series, you're obviously locked into him until he like loses a couple games or he, he starts to falter. Yeah, but Fleury has really been so good. Like what yeah. we talked about, he's been the cons my favor for the entire tournament. Like he's he's their guy, yep. and he had one bad, really not even a bad game, a bad play, a bad turnover, which I know cost him the game, arguably. But like he's not, he's still he's still going to be your guy, I think. And I don't think, I don't know, I, I would want to be DeBoer right now. It's a really tough decision. I think he had a tough decision yesterday. Game five is even and even more challenging to make. See, I don't. The, the tough de- decision was game four. Because, like you said, Flurry hasn't played well. He hasn't played bad, excuse me, but he hasn't played it like in- insanely good. Like he's played really good, and I think that was a tough decision. Girl, stop touching stuff. Just sit down. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. They're just starting to get squirrely. But um, this is the tough decision that's already been made. It's going to be Robin Laner. It's a no-brainer. It would be if he goes back to Flurry. That's the thing. He he's made his bed. He's in with with Laner now. If he goes back to Flurry and Flurry lays an egg he's gonna get fired <laughs> you know we talked about um like hockey twitter was all over this decision yesterday afternoon did you see uh laner's comments last night no what do you say he got to the rink a few hours earlier he said he was just reading twitter and just using that as inspiration he's like you guys i was just so mad i was gonna prove everyone wrong and everyone was wrong and uh, it was really cool to see and i don't know if he was maybe a little tongue-in-cheek if he was actually reading all these tweets but he obviously knew what people were saying about the decision and he was he used that against them what do you think of that? Do you think that's a good thing or I, a bad I, thing? I don't think it's a, a sustainable thing. I think it was more like a situational thing. But there's no way, especially a goaltender with such a mental game, there's no way you can like draw from that on a you know a nightly basis. I even read bad reviews for this podcast, and it makes me depressed for a day and a half. Yeah, same. Like that's why I don't <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Well, I, I do it, but then someone will be like, "John, you're brutal." I don't know. I'm we're not listening anymore. I'm like, oh. I feel bad. Yeah, I honestly feel bad. So if you want to cheer me up, go leave a five star review. That that makes me that makes my day because I do go and check. I want to make this podcast the best it can be. So I'll read the reviews, and some of them are just scathing. That's why I don't talk about my personal life anymore. My stances on things, I leave that alone. But boy, oh boy, it, it does depress me. I can't imagine being an NHL goaltender going in to a situation where you have not played in a long time, and the last time you played, you absolutely laid an egg and gave up seven goals. 
to want to go and read the negative reviews. You think you'd be so nervous. Yep. Like not wanting to, you want to prepare. You're not sitting in your stall scrolling Twitter. Well, like, I think he's also, I mean, he's talked about his mental health issues. So clearly he's, he's very self-aware and he knows what, what he can take and what he can't take and all that. So I think he, he knew that he'd be able to, to read that and be okay with it. I hope so, because boy, oh boy, what if you really, you saw someone you knew tweet, if, if I would have tweeted somebody, he's like, John, really? You meant that? Like, I, you never know what you're going to get on Twitter when you're scrolling through the feed. Like, there could be something really bad. Yeah. Like, one of your teammates liked a tweet saying they should have played laner, or they shouldn't play him, and they should stick with Flurry, and like, Mark Stone liked it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, and then it's going to cause this whole issue inside that's like, the locker That's more of an NBA thing. That's what those guys do. They like do do that. They do do that. Yeah. They got the burner accounts. Yep. There are some hockey guys who have burner accounts, though. You'd be surprised. Do they admit it to the teammates? Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially the... Well, it's more the single guys because they go and creep and stuff, and they don't want to have the public one, so they have a private one that they go and do their business with. But anyways, that's a whole other story for another show. Not my show. <laughs> we keep that... Uh, so, like you said, going into game five... What do you see? What's going to happen? They're going back to Vegas. Montreal has to be confident. They have to be feeling pretty good. All they wanted to do was split at home. They got that out of the way in game three. Do you think they're going to change their system at all? Do you think they're going to change the way they play? No, no need to. And honestly, I thought they were the better team for most of last night. So I I think they are feeling confident. I think last night, I mean, I think Vegas has got to feel like they stole one. Um, and I was just, man, it was disappointing. They, and they had the uh, the comeback late in the third, and then obviously buried. Like you said, by the way, like the first two minutes of overtime, the game was over. And I love that because I'm like, ah, overtime, it's exciting. But I'm like, man, I want to go to bed. And it's over within the first half of the first period. I'm going to go back after the show and look at every overtime game because I, I guarantee you 75% are over within the first two to five minutes. Or even five, five, five minutes are in. It's, it's done. I don't know why. Usually when you come on overtime, you're a little tight. You're playing a little defensively before you can open things up. Maybe that's why. I don't understand. But like you touched on, the better team yesterday was the Montreal Canadiens. Through the first period and a half, two periods, they outplayed Vegas. Vegas was kind of holding on. I don't know if they were nervous and they realized like we might lose this series. It was a very crucial game. But they weren't playing as free as they had in games prior. But once they got their mojo, they kind of carried the play in the third period. And they were the better team in the third. But goodness gracious, for the first few two periods, I was like, this is... This is not good. They were all over Vegas. Laner made some really good saves, and uh, they're happy to get out of there with with one game apiece. If I'm Vegas, because that fourth game, I'm not happy if I'm flying back to Vegas last night. I, I'm I'm starting to question myself. I'm starting to think that maybe we might lose this series if Montreal can show up and do this. If Montreal gets, like I said, Caulfield, if he scores his goal, if they bury a power play goal, their power play has been non-existent this series. And heading into the, the weekend, before Game 3, I saw some commentary basically talking about at some point, probably Game 3, there's going to be like a, a breakaway game for Vegas where they just like just show that they are the much better team and they're going to kind of put Montreal behind them and go up another two games and maybe Montreal steals one, but that's it. Like Vegas is going to just step away from the crowd and they didn't and they haven't yet even though even in last night's win they didn't so i think they got to be frustrated too in it and you keep thinking at some point there's going to be the vegas that we know but montreal is not letting them be and i think it's, you got to give them credit for that well who's scoring vegas's goals last night it was Braden mcnab and wah yeah i never heard of that guy where are their stars where is stone where's marcia stowe where's patcheretti they're being shut down. where's carlson where are all of their guys who they relied on during the regular season i've said this coming in that this is why i thought colorado was going to beat them 
they don't have that superstar. They don't have that guy or those group of guys who can go out and consistently create offense that Cole Caulfield's doing right now. So Mark Stone's a good player. He gets up and down the ice pretty well. So does Jonathan Marshall-Stowe and Willie Carlson and all these other players. They don't do it consistently enough to be a, a, considered a superstar. So well, I think it's I think it's the nose line that's skating against Stone, Pacioretty, and uh, whoever that third guy is. Yeah, Lycanen or whoever. But yeah, it's uh, they don't have that superstar. And this was the one knock I said against them before coming into this place. I'm like, Vegas is really good. They're a good hockey team. They don't have that superstar who can go out there and you know lock him in for a goal. Austin Matthews, you you have a good idea. Austin Matthews is going to score every night. Like that, that's a pretty, if not every night, maybe at least one every other game. That's his stick. Montreal now, you can pretty much lock it in that Caulfield's going to get a point every game with Suzuki. That's that's what they average throughout this playoffs. You don't have that with Vegas. They're very consistent up and on the lineup. It's a very good, you know, team game. But in the last minute of the game, when you're down a goal and you pull the goalie, who's taking that shot? Who's taking it, Tim? Pacioretty? Yeah, that's where my head went. Right? And he really hasn't. He's played okay. He hasn't really been that player. He's like, goodness gracious. When you watch the game, which player stands out for both teams? Which uh, line? Which group? Price. It's, it's Price, Caulfield, and Suzuki. Yeah. Even uh, Perry and Armia and Stahl stand out. Yep. They're really good. You notice them when they're on the ice. Like, gosh, this has been sustained pressure. Vegas, they play well. They're strong. Peter Angelo's played, played pretty good, but... Nobody is just like, you know, that much further ahead than anybody else. They don't have that guy. Maybe that's the one knock on this team. Petretti was getting booed last night too. Do you see that? Were they saying boo or boo earns? <laughs> boo earns. Yeah, he got booed game three. What do you think of that? Coming back, it's been a few years. He got traded. It's not like he left in free agency or shunned him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I think he was... He was going to leave. Everyone knew it. And so, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Maybe they're trying to throw him off his game or something. But it did kind of surprise me. I was like, wait, oh, yeah, why Why are they booing him again? Because he left. I, I've never um, – all power to him, like whatever. I, did he say something when he left that really was, you know, bad towards Montreal fans? I don't remember that. He seems like a pretty just nice guy, you know. I don't think he's that polarizing where he was saying stuff in the media like, ah, this city stunk. I'm happy to go back to the States. Uh, take it, Montreal. But, man, I'll boo him. I don't care. It's good for the game. So the other series, um, which we'll quickly touch on that before we wrap, they also split over the weekend in uh, the Coliseum. Tampa Bay took game three. Uh, the Islanders took game four. What are your thoughts on that series? As far as sheer entertainment, this is a great series. It honestly is. It's fun to watch. Both teams hate each other. They're going back and forth, up and down the ice. You can see that familiarity coming from last playoffs in the bubble where they played against each other. It's a really good series. What blew me away, Islanders' best line in game four was their fourth line. Martin, Suzikis, and Clutterbuck. They were so incredibly good. Martin gets a goal. Clutterbuck gets a couple of assists. They were just really, really good. You know, that's their identity line. Um, they go out and they hit and they play aggressive. Everybody expects that from them. But if they can pitch in a couple goals and play well, that's such a bonus for this New York Islanders team. And, the, you know, uh, the Lightning played well. They're a good team. I still think the Islanders are going to win the series. I really do. They're playing really, really good hockey. Varlamov's playing good. Talk about the save Pelich made on McDonough in oh, the last 10 goodness. seconds. So I know Ryan McDonough. Consider him a friend. Not a good friend, but a friend. 
We skate in the summer. He is one of the most slippery players with the puck. It's so hard to get the puck off of him, and he's so strong. When he made that spinorama move, I've, I've seen him made, make that move 100 times. Like He is so good at it, and his footwork is so incredibly solid. And it's not like he gets a little bit of the puck. He ripped that backhand. It was going at a pretty good clip. What just awareness by Pellick to come sliding across and – Wow, like that is one of those plays when you look back and the Islanders are lifting the cup. It's like that's the play that won them the cup. Vegas scores there. They're going into overtime. Who knows what's happened? Excuse me, Tampa Bay. Who knows what's going to happen? Tampa Bay could win. They're up three to one, and there's no way you're coming back if you're down three to one versus Tampa Bay. Quick correction: it was Ryan Pulak who made the save, not Pelic. Whatever, PP. Who cares? Yeah, Pulak, Pelic, same thing. But yes. An incredible play coming across to, to save that puck. And that's what the, people were saying. Like, if this wasn't the Islanders and this wasn't hockey, like, that would be a play that would have been, like, headlines across the nation. Like, it was that good. Like, like the Jeter flip, right? Like, I think that's the most overrated play ever. But just, like, yeah, it should have been <laughs> – it really should have been, like, way more talked about. And it's just absolutely huge in the crucial moments of the game. You saw that great picture. I don't know if you saw it. Like, it was in the, it was in the final seconds, yeah. right? And then after that, like, the entire stadium, players included, are all watching the Jumbotron for the replay of that, including him. Because he's like, what the heck? Like it's just instincts at that point, right? Like you just you just dive in front of the net, don't even know what you're doing. But um, it was really cool to see, and certainly I think uh, Varlamov owes him a beer, or he owes Varlamov a beer. Yeah, well, definitely. No, he doesn't owe Varlamov a beer. Varlamov, oh, his yeah. Ryan McDonough's going home crying. This well, the same thing happened last night in overtime versus Montreal. Price kind of gets out of position, and it's an open net. Waz taking the shot, and it's either Lykanen or Kokinemi comes diving across, and it just misses him. And so if that hits him, he's he's a hero. Montreal goes down and scores, and it's a completely different series. But that's why hockey's such a great great sport. It really is. It was it was an unbelievable play. It comes down to the last second. These two series. This is exactly what you want in your final four. It's so fun to watch. I'm excited to see what happens. I'd like to think I know what's going to happen. I don't. Um, I think Vegas is a better team, and the Islander Tampa Bay series. It, it's honestly. It's a complete coin flip every single game. They both play really well. They both have high-end talent. They both have good defense core. Their goaltenders are playing well. It's who's going to make that first mistake? Who's going to take a penalty that the other team takes advantage of? Tampa Bay's power play is absolutely lethal. It's so dangerous. Anytime you give Kucherov some time with the puck, you're playing with fire. He is so incredibly good. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be fun. They're both a best of three series. Who do you got in both series and a quick reason why? I'm going Montreal and Tampa. Why? I think Tampa's just the better team. I think they're in the, in the final three games. I think they'll just they'll separate themselves a little bit. Montreal, I think, has just got Vegas's number. I think like it it, it took. Uh, I mean, you could you could argue the other way where it took a crazy turnover and a play that arguably could have been called a high sticking on that breakaway in game three. No, nah, it wasn't a high. It wasn't, but but people were you know were, were crying about it. So I, I just think uh, I think Montreal's got their number. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think Tampa's just a better team. I'll go the opposite. I'm going the Islanders, and I'm not just doing this for uh, podcast fodder. I've I've always said the Islanders are going to win. I think they're going to win. I still think Ve- Vegas is is the best team out of this series, rightfully so. But I, I did a show with a friend of mine this past week, and he's like, "Is does Montreal like this dynasty? Did they is something going on in Montreal where they're getting like some help? Like it seems to me that they're getting these breaks to." The flurry turnover to get a goal and this and that. It's like, it's very strange that, that they are where they are. But anyways. Which, which series would you feel more confident calling the winner? Vegas. 
Huh. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And it, I'm not just saying this to get on the Montreal. I love Montreal. I finished my career there. I think it's a great organization. Vegas is a better team. They are. If, if it were to go right now off of who played the best in each game, Vegas would be up 3-1. to one. That's why hockey's great. Carey Price stood on his head. They won the game. Who cares? That game, honestly, the refereeing wasn't that great. Oh, it's been brutal the whole playoffs. It, it, was, it was very questionable. Montreal... They should have had a few more power plays. Braden McNabb is just like Hacksaw Jim Duggan out there. He just cross-checking everybody. He doesn't care. Then they missed the Corey Perry high stick in overtime. That should have been a penalty on Vegas. So, you know, that being said, Vegas has been the better team three of the four games, and it's a 2-2 series. Montreal should be happy. They should be confident. And a confident group of players who know they have nothing to lose, that's a dangerous group of players to play against. So we'll see what happens. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. That's all I know. The ideal Stanley Cup finals for me, though, is Vegas, gosh, I want to say the Islanders because I know they're going to win. It's Vegas and Tampa Bay. Yeah, powerhouses. That That's the, that's the powerhouse that you they're want to wagons. see. They're absolutely wagons. And, um, but it's going to be the Islanders and it's going to be Vegas. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, Tim. Anything you want to say, girls? You've been kind of okay. Nothing. Nothing? Hi. There we go. We got one word. Now she's going to get in trouble for talking. <laughs> yes. Now she's going to get in trouble also. See, this is the thing. You get them going a little bit. Now they're going to be crazy naughty. So anyways, that's uh, all my three young girls. Well, three middle, I guess. I don't know. There's three girls. Yeah. It's hard to get There's the three ages. children. Three of my children. But anyways, Tim, that was a good one. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 